Welcome to the Thrive City Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Ben, and I'm so grateful that you have decided to check us out. At Thrive City Church, we want you to experience a thriving life with Jesus. Wherever you are listening from, we hope that you find this message hopeful and encouraging. Hey, Thrive City family, it is so good to see you. Thanks for choosing to spend a little bit of time with us today. If you are new around here, my name is Pastor Ben. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Thrive. And I just want to say that whoever you are, whatever you may be going through in life, I truly do believe that God has great things in store for you. And I don't say that flippantly. I believe that God loves you. I believe that he loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross in your place, forever mending the rift in the relationship between you and him. At this church, we are passionate about seeing you experience a thriving life with Jesus because we believe that our faith goes further than these four walls. Our faith and our relationship with God is not just something for Sunday mornings. It is something that impacts every aspect of our lives. If you were maybe just joining us for the first time, we recently launched a new collection of talks called Dry Places. And in this series, we're talking about the times when life is difficult and God seems distant. Those dry seasons when we just feel stuck or, or lost or burnt out or wandering. Last week, we introduced the story of the Israelites and how God miraculously delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And as Moses led the people through the desert, they began to have second thoughts. And their gratitude for what God had done, it quickly turned into grumbling. We talked about how if you want to be led by God, you need to be willing to listen to God and respond with obedience. We talked about how oftentimes our complaining is just blaming. So don't complain and cast blame for what should really be your responsibility. Lastly, we talked about how reaching the full potential and the purpose that God has for you, it might be painful, but we believe that God will always provide. So for the Israelites, God provided for them in the desert, in that dry place. And I believe that God will do the same for you in your dry places. Today, we are going to continue to follow the people of Israel in their journey through the desert as they continue to experience even more difficulties in this dry place. But first, let me pray for us as we begin our time together. Jesus, we thank you for your presence and we worship you for you are a God who walks with us, leading us, providing for us and protecting us. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for this scripture that we are able to read together and the things that we can learn. We ask that you would enlighten us to your truth through the words that we read. 
We ask that you would do a work in our lives and in our hearts. We ask that you would wake us up because we know that we cannot do this on our own. We pray all of this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. If you haven't noticed by now, the 90s are back. The 90s are back. The different trends and styles and some of the different musical elements, the 90s are back. And it's really making me start to feel my age. And while there are are certain elements of the 90s that I love to see come back around that I enjoy, there are certain trends that I absolutely hope will stay in the past and long forgotten. How many of you remember Jinko jeans? Jinko jeans. These were a cultural phenomenon. Oh boy, were they incredible. If you are, if you are too young to remember what Jinko pants are, they are the epitome of baggy pants. And they used about the same amount of fabric as a circus tent. And they had pockets so deep that you could accidentally lose your wallet for a week until you were able to dig around deep enough and find it. And as goofy as they look now, looking back, we just think, what in the world were we thinking? As goofy as they look at the time, man, they were the thing to have if you wanted to be a cool 90s skater kid, which I absolutely did. I wanted to be that kid. I just knew in the depths of my heart that I had to have a pair of Jinko jeans. Needless to say, Jinko pants, because they were so popular and so ridiculous, they were also incredibly expensive. However, in my adolescent logic, this was a justifiable expense. In my mind, all I could think about was, yes, I, I absolutely have to have these in order to be cool, to, be fit, to fit in, to be that cool skater kid that I always wanted to be. I remember asking my mom and then begging my mom and then getting really frustrated at my mom when she continued to tell me no. No, we're not going to buy those. First of all, those are ridiculous. It's just a trend. They're going to go out of style really quickly. And they're really expensive. I can just buy you better pants somewhere else for a better price. I remember being so blinded by this desire to, to be cool and to fit in that I basically started to make demands of my mom. Mom, why? Why can't I have these? Mom, everybody else has a pair. Why can't I? Do you really hate me so much that you're going to deprive me of a pair of Jinko jeans? As a child, I felt like these demands were, were justified. But as an adult, I can see how incredibly ignorant I was being and how ridiculous it is. While I was focused on a pair of pants, my mom was focused on actually providing for my needs. Not necessarily all my wants, but providing for my needs and doing her best to protect my brother and I as we grew up. 
I am almost certain that each one of you watching this right now has a similar story in your own life. And maybe you threw a fit because your parents wouldn't buy you a, a pet rock or a Teddy Ruxpin or a Tamagotchi or a package of silly bands. Whatever it is, whatever was popular when you were growing up, you probably felt incredibly justified in your complaints, in your demands, that, that you needed this. You needed this. And if they truly loved you, they would get this for you. And you probably realized later on in life how ridiculous you must have sounded. And maybe you're now experiencing the same thing with your own kids. You see, this mindset and this mentality doesn't necessarily go away as we get older. There are times that we get so focused on what we think our lives should look like or, or where our lives should be headed that we begin to make unreasonable demands of our friends and our family and even with God. I've come to realize that our demanding, it shows our lack of understanding. When we begin to make demands, it shows us that we think that we know better, right? With my mom, I, I was demanding that she get me these things because I really knew what was best for me, not my mom. We make the same mistake with God. We make demands in our lives thinking that we know better than God. We start to cry out, God, what is going on? My life looks nothing like I thought that it would. Where are you? Why would you do this? What do you think you're doing? If you really love me, you would prove it. You see, our demanding, again, shows our lack of understanding in God's power and the way that he is continuing to protect and provide for us we begin to lose our ability to focus on God's faithfulness. In the passage of scripture that we are going to read together this morning, the nation of Israel struggles with this same thing, with continuing to just make senseless demands of God. And we'll see, they begin to make these demands and test God saying, are you with us or not? Do you love us? We'll prove it. We are going to jump into the story in Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of God. And they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses. And they said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt only to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord and he said, what shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. 
Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? This story might sound really familiar. As a matter of fact, it is almost exactly the same thing that happened happened to them in the previous chapter, in chapter 16, that we read together last week. Yet again, Israel followed Moses through the desert and they began to run out of water. I think we all know how precious of a resource water is. The human body can only go about three days without water before we begin to break down and ultimately die. And even though God had miraculously delivered them from Egypt, led them through the Red Sea on dry ground, provided fresh water out of a bitter stream, and brought daily manna to keep them sustained, all they could do was focus on their thirst. The next thing you know, they start making demands. Moses, give us water to drink. God, why are you doing this to us? Give us water. Don't you care about us at all? Are you with us or not? The people were so angry and upset about their present problems that they lost focus on God's provision in the past. Do you see this problem here? See, when we, when we forget the past, we are set up to fail in the future. And one of the best ways to remain faithful to God in the present is to focus on his faithfulness in the past. This can be a really challenging thing to do in the heat of the moment if, if, we, if we allow ourselves to be consumed by the problems in the present. Where we start to make demands, it shows our lack of understanding and our trust in God to provide. As a teenager, I was so consumed by my desire for the latest trend that I neglected to notice all the other ways that my mom had been providing for me day after day. If if I was only able to just shake myself out of it, To to snap myself out of it, I I would have seen all the different ways that my mom had been caring for me, and it would have helped me to trust her moving forward and realize that maybe Jinko pants really aren't the best thing in life. Let me put it another way. In church, why why do we worship? More specifically, why do we choose to include uh, times of singing together in our weekly worship experiences? Is it because we have a great band that, uh, that sounds great? Well, that, that certainly helps, but that's not really the reason. One of the biggest reasons why we choose to sing together every week is that our worship serves as a reminder We intentionally sing songs that remind us of God's goodness, his character, and his attributes. While the goal of worship, first and foremost, is to glorify God, it secondarily serves to set us up for the future. 
when we experience dry places in our life. And the next time that we find ourselves in one of these, these dry places and these difficult seasons where life is difficult and God seems distant, we are reminded of the words in the songs that we sing. Like this morning, when, when we sing, it, it may look like I'm surrounded, but God, I'm surrounded by you. The nation of Israel made the mistake of focusing on the problems of their present instead of remembering how God had promised to provide for them. So for you and I, we need to intentionally remind ourselves of how we have seen God at work in our lives. I mean, it's why scripture says to, to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. You might know the words to the song that says, I, I have seen, God, I've seen you move. You've, you've moved the mountains and I believe that I'll see you do it again. We have to remember that in the dry places, we need to remain faithful to God in the present by focusing on his provision in the past. Because when we do that, it sets us up for the future. There's something else that I want you to notice in this passage. In verse one, we learn that Israel had arrived at this place with no water, not by accident, but it says by the command of God. So we have to ask ourselves, why would God knowingly lead his people to this place with no water when they're in the middle of the desert? Well, I want you to remember this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our extremities are God's opportunities. Our extremities are God's opportunities. Sometimes God positions us in places where only he can provide, essentially forcing us to acknowledge that it was him who came through, that it was nothing that we did. It's, it's nothing that we did under our own power, but it was only him that came through and was able to provide. So essentially, for the Israelites, this was a test God was using the dry place of the desert to lead the people to a place of dependence and reliance and trust. Remember James chapter one that we read together. It says to count it all joy when you experience trials of different kinds, because this is a testing of our faith that produces steadfastness or endurance. And when endurance has its full effect in us, we will be complete and lacking in nothing. So we have to remember that the result of our testing is really dependent on our response, how we react. We really only have two choices on how to respond when we go through these tests and these trials like the people of Israel did. We can either grumble or we can grow. When faced with the dry place of the desert and as they were being consumed by their thirst, Israel chose to grumble. Their thirst drove them into a rage instead of driving them into greater reliance on God. 
So when we are faced by, by dry places and difficult seasons in our life, we can either grumble or we can use those seasons to grow. We can, we can ask God, what are you teaching me in this season? Boy, could I use a drink? Boy, could I use some water right now? But God, I know that you have promised to provide for me, that you will lead me, that you will protect me. God, I choose to focus on your faithfulness. Remember, our extremities are God's opportunities. Those those extreme places that we find ourselves in our lives when it seems like all hope is lost. Those are the places where God often chooses to show up. Those extremities are really God's opportunities. He can and will use some of the most difficult seasons of your life to bring about some of the greatest change and some of the greatest growth. So I encourage you this morning, no matter how difficult life is right now, don't miss how God might be moving. The story actually continues on. Beginning in verse eight says this, then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. This was a nomadic tribe, the the Amalekites. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joseph, so, excuse me. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. At this point, he was was an old man. So they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Then Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Whew, pretty intense. Just as the people of Israel were being refreshed by the water that was brought forth from the rock, this, this miraculous deliverance, this move of God, they faced their first militaristic threat. We have to remember that this wasn't just a few families traveling through the desert. The people of Israel, it was a nation of millions of people. And they would have been a great target for different nomadic groups or surrounding nations who viewed them as a threat or maybe an easy target. Man, how relatable is this? The minute that you you think life is finally smoothing out, something else happens. Maybe you finally paid off your car only for the engine to explode. 
we can learn from this passage that God's blessings are oftentimes followed by battles. God's blessings are often followed by battles. And if we are not careful, we can make the mistake of being too comfortable. We can start saying, hey, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done in my life. Things are, are going to be smooth sailing from here on out. We lower our guard and we start getting distracted and we lose focus on the things that God has for us. Well, somebody this morning needs to hear that you can follow God and still get frustrated. You can trust God and still experience trials. And just because you are following God and are experiencing his blessings, it doesn't mean that you will no longer experience battles as well. Following God is an active process of deciding daily to place your trust in him, no matter what may happen. I think sometimes in modern day Christianity, specifically uh, Protestant evangelical Christianity, we, we, we place this emphasis in our relationship with God on, on the moment that we decided to place our trust in him. Maybe that was when you were a kid or, or maybe that was more recently and you chose to follow Jesus. While I believe that is an incredibly important moment, there is no denying that. Choosing to follow God is more than just that moment. Being a Christian is more than just placing your faith in God that, that one time. It is daily picking up our cross and following him. So if we choose to trust that God will provide, we can also choose to trust that God will protect. You see the two different ways that God came through for the people of Israel? First, he, he made water, clean, clean, delicious, sustaining water come forth from the most unlikely of places, from a rock in the middle of a bone-dry desert. He provided for them when they needed it the most. But God also came through and protected the people. Miraculously, as, as Moses lifted his hands uh, up on that hill overlooking the battlefield, God protected his people and enabled them to defeat the enemy. Ultimately, God's provision and his protection point us to his power to save. In each of these stories, there is an emphasis on the staff of God that Moses carried. And this is the same staff that Moses used to strike the Nile and to see it turn into blood. And while there, there was nothing necessarily uh, special about this staff, it represented the presence and the power of God, that God was the one who provided the water to drink from the rock as Moses struck it, that God was the one that would lead them into victory in battle, that God was the one that delivered them from the hands of the Egyptians. So you see these stories that we read in, in chapter 17 aren't just about God's provision or God's 
protection. They are stories that point us to God's ultimate power to save. If God can make water flow from a rock in the middle of the desert, what else can he do? If he can lead his people to victory against an attacking army, what else can he do? These stories in in, in scripture, they point to an even greater story that you and I get to be a part of. In 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul compares this rock in the desert to Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus tells the woman at the well that whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see these dry places in life. They display God's deliverance. I want you to remember that. Dry places display God's deliverance. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have experienced the greatest provision and protection and power of all. Well, we were stranded in the desert of our sin and our brokenness, helpless, about to die, Christ, our solid rock, was struck on the cross. And from him flows living water in this ability, this opportunity to experience an eternal and a thriving life. In his presence, the Holy Spirit now lives within us, guiding us and protecting us on this journey of faith. You see, God uses dry places to bring us back to Jesus. God is saying that I am enough for you. I will sustain. I will save. I will supply for your every need. And I will lead you through this desert, through this dry place. I am preparing you for the plans and the purposes that I have for you. These dry places display God's deliverance and they point to Jesus. So this week, if you feel like you are dying of thirst or you are caught up in a battle, I encourage you, like like Moses did, hold up your arms. Keep God in, in, in your focus, in the forefront of your mind. Remember that God's provision and his protection point to his power to save. I feel like God wants me to make this this painfully and abundantly clear. And while you may already know this, I feel like I need to say it again. All of this, all of this points to Jesus. All of this points to Jesus. And if you have never experienced what it is like and what it means to have a thriving life with him, a life-giving and a personal relationship with him, I would encourage you to make that decision today, right now, in this moment. So don't be like the Israelites Lay down your demands and pray for an understanding of the fullness of God's provision and his protection and his power. Ask God to show you your sin and your need for a savior. 
Let the dry places in your life display God's deliverance. May you, may you experience the living water, that, 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 that thriving life that only Jesus can provide. So Thrive City, may we be a church that faithfully follows God in the desert and in the dry places and through the difficult seasons of life. May we be a church that continues to encourage one another to keep God in focus as we faithfully follow him. Because I truly do believe that God uses these difficult seasons, these dry places to prepare us for the promises that he has for us. Church, I believe that there are really, really exciting things to come in the life of our church. That we have only just begun to see the things that God has in store for us. You know what? Things are going to be difficult. Starting a church, building a church from the ground up, especially in a global pandemic, is really, really hard. We know this. That, that's no surprise to us. But I believe that God is using this season to teach us things, to challenge us, to, to grow us, to make us into the church that he wants us to be. Because God is leading us towards the promised land, towards the promises that he has for us, the, the purpose that he has for our church. So I just encourage you to stick with it. God will provide for us. God will protect us. God has the power to save. And if we continue to obediently follow him, I know that we will see great things in store for the life of our church and in each of our lives. Hey, let me pray for us as we close. Like I mentioned, if you have never experienced what it is, what it means to have a saving and a life-giving and a personal relationship with Jesus. I would encourage you to just uh, pray along with me right now. Jesus, I know that only you can save. And right now I feel like I'm lost, like I'm stranded in the desert with no water and, and I am just thirsty. God, I feel like I can't make it much longer. Jesus, I, I know that like you did for the Israelites as they were wandering through the desert, I know that you, you have the power to save. And Jesus, I know that in you springs forth a, a living water, a never-ending water, a source of thriving and eternal life. And, and Jesus, right now, I, I just, I ask for you to, to allow me to experience that. I, I place my faith and my trust and my hope in you. God, there's no other way that I can be saved. There's no other way that, that the relationship between us can be restored other than through you and your work on the cross. God, I place my faith in you and I ask that you would use this dry season of my life to display your deliverance and your power to provide and protect and to save.
Jesus, make me into the type of person that you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, I look forward to continuing this series together. But right now, uh, we're just going to worship a little bit more. Remember that worship serves as a reminder of the things that God has done, and it sets us up for the future. So right now, again, let's just prepare our hearts to worship together, to glorify God through the words that we sing, and to remind ourselves of his goodness. Let's worship. Thank you so much for listening today. We want to empower you to take the next step towards a thriving life with Jesus. If you're looking to get more connected, head over to our website, thrivecity.church slash connect. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and we would love to connect with you. 